0: An absolutely entertaining story from Judges 13 through 16. We talked last week about mistakes. This guy made a few. The story of Samson takes place uh, roughly about a 1,000 years before Jesus. Samson's life was to disrupt the Philistines. They ruled Israel for 40 years. 40 years. The Philistines lived on the west side of Canaan, along the Mediterranean seacoast. Can we pull? Yeah, perfect. So, of course, the land of the Philistines, of course, their seaside, they picked the best land, right? They were the bullies at the time of David, up until the time of David. And spoiler David killed Goliath, who was a Philistine, and it was pretty much the end of the Philistine. They faded from the scene, overpowered by the Israelites under King David. But at this time, the Philistines had more in numbers. They made better weapons, better technology, were pretty fierce opponents, and they ruled God's people for 40 years. So there they are, right on on the seaside. But God always has a plan. Always has a plan. The miracle of his birth, Samson's mom was barren. Samson's life alone was a miracle, prophesied from nothing, fulfilled. And Samson is listed in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. I'm going to read Hebrews 11:32 32 through 34. Well, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight." His mistakes are not mentioned in Hebrews 11, right? His highlights were. It says in Hebrews 1134 34b, their weaknesses were turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. We sometimes think that our weaknesses disqualify us. That is actually the best place for God to fill in the cracks where we need him the most, Right? We have the wrong thinking that perfection is necessary, or we miss the mark, or have to sit on the sidelines until we reach some level of mastery. Who has told you that you are disqualified? Get back in there. Their weakness was turned to strength. Obstacles in life are meant to strengthen us. Most of us would like to be strong before a battle. But it says in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith heroes became strong in battle we lack strength by not saying yes by running from assignments by sitting it out my daughter is driving with her permit it's going okay i am taking her on all the crazy vegas streets all the construction the cones the one ways the roundabouts the freeways we learn through experience She's driving defensively already. She knows there's gonna be obstacles. I already trust her too, which is crazy. She's only been driving nine hours. I have, I, have, I have an app and I have to time it. She's only been driving nine hours and I'm pretty much like hands off at this point. I could take her down the quiet road, sure. But what is that gonna teach her? What are we saying no to? Start saying yes. Most of our limitations are internal, not external. I became an accidental elementary teacher for several years by saying yes. I had 33 kids in my homeroom, 33 second graders. Also was teaching 66 more in spelling, reading, and math groups. I would go home every day passed out with literally no voice. I couldn't, I didn't go to college to be a teacher, but I said yes. I learned, I studied, I asked, I put in a ton of effort. God bless our teachers. I have since retired from that profession. But um, all I had to do was say yes. So back to the book of Judges. Sin, judgment, repentance. Sin, judgment, repentance. Judgment and judges. This pattern is told again and again. Years of consequences. The intro in my Bible for Judges, listen to how they word it. It's, it sounds like a movie trailer and it's like, an, it's like a nod to my husband who's not here because he loves movies, right? As you read the book of Judges, take a good look at these heroes from Jewish history. Take note of their dependence on God and obedience to his commands. Observe Israel's repeated downward spiral into sin, refusing to learn from history and living only for the moment. But most of all, stand in awe of God's mercy as he delivers his people over and over again. Judges 13.1 starts with, Again, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over. Dishonesty, greed, violence, idolatry, the Lord handed them over from freedom to bondage. Sin cripples us when we could be running. An angel appears to Samson's mother in Judges 13.3. We only have to wait two verses for God's plan to rescue Israel. Two verses. He already has a plan. I'm going to read uh, Judges 13.3-6. through 6. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said... Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will rescue Israel from the Philistines." The woman ran and told her husband, A man of God appeared to me. He was like one of God's angels, terrifying to look at. I didn't ask him where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. The angel was terrifying to look at. He he tells Samson's mom that even though she hasn't been able to ha- be pregnant and has no children, she will Number six, if you ever want to do a study on the Nazarite laws, they were given to Moses, and they're all listed in uh, number six. Samson would be dedicated to God's service and be a Nazarite for life. Most would just take the Nazarite vow for a season and time. It said God instituted the Nazarite vow for people who wanted to devote some time exclusively to serving him. Samson... Samuel, John the Baptist were probably Nazarites for life. Samson was in good company in that list. Manoah is Samson's dad. His, we don't know his mother's name. He prayed that the angel would return. He wasn't there the first time. Verse 8 of Judges 13 says, Lord, please let the man come back to us again and give us more instruction about this son who is to be born. And God answered his prayers the angel came back again. God hears our prayers and answers. Judges 13, 15 through 18, the angel doesn't tell him his name or their name. And they offered uh, him food, and he said he would stay. They could offer a burnt offering to thank God for this wonderful news. They're going to have a baby, but he wouldn't eat. You wouldn't understand my name if I told you, the angel tells them. Good point, right? The angel only gave them what they could handle. Judges 13, 19 through 24. I'm going to read it because it's pretty spectacular. Judges thirteen nineteen through 24. Then Manoah took a young goat and grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. So first they have the miracle that she's going to have a baby. Then it says the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up towards the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was the angel of the Lord, and he said to his wife, We will die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, If the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. When her son was born, they named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up love it. So clearly, uh she's the more reasonable one, right? She uh she's not going to freak out. And how cool the angel ascended in the fire. Nice disappearing act. How cool. And they've already had so many uh miracles already. Our thoughts and fears can be so incorrect. Manoah was going crazy thinking God was going to kill him. It was quite opposite, right? Samson grows up. God lets us ease into it. The Lord blessed him as he grew up. Judges 14, 1 through 4. He sees none other, so he's grown up now. He sees none other than a Philistine woman he likes in the next town over. His parents objected. Can't you find a good Christian girl? Can't you find a good Israeli? Why must we go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? His parents, in verse 4, his parents didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to disrupt the Philistines who, who ruled over Israel at that time. God works in unusual ways. The Lord was at work in this. His ways are not our ways. We would be very religious, wouldn't we? Lord, this isn't a good idea. He shouldn't marry a pagan, and certainly not a Philistine. You are making a mistake, God. I'm sure I could just hear it. He wants to marry a Philistine. It's probably not the best idea. But it says, the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to disrupt the Philistines. So, Christine Kane said, you can't reach a world you are not in. You can't reach a world you are not in. Samson's life was to disrupt the Philistines. With the Lord, you are a majority. And Samson disrupts them all right. Samson's walking near vineyards on his way to meet this girl. Again, remember, he can't eat any grapes or raisins. We are asking for trouble when we are somewhere we shouldn't be. He is near a vineyard. A lion attacks him. Where? Near a vineyard. It says in Judges 14, 5, and 6, The Lord's strength came upon him, and he killed the lion. He tore its jaw apart with his bare hands. This moment is part of his highlight reel in Hebrews 11, and he doesn't tell his parents. He's traveling with his parents over to the next town in Timnah. So he lives right next door. So, yeah, the first, could you do the first map? Um, so he lives in Zora and Timnah is where the girl of his dreams lives. So he's just traveling right next door. So he's with his parents. So he kills this lion with his bare hands and doesn't tell them. Later, so in Judges 14, 8 through 9, okay, so I, oh, I got to go back. So, so he meets the girl. He likes her, and his dad makes arrangements, and then they come back for a different time for the wedding. So, he kills the lion with his bare hands, doesn't tell his parents, they're traveling with him. I don't know how you keep that a secret, but he just goes right out of the vineyard and travels back with them, meets the girl, he likes her, and he comes back later for the wedding. There is so much I would love to just read every verse, but I would keep you here for an hour and a half, so I'm giving you the the highlight reel. You're, of course, read it for yourself, it is the most entertaining story. So And there's so much to glean from this story. Judges 14, 8 through 9, I am going to read. So later, he returns to Timnah for the wedding. He turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hand and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it, But he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. So later, as he's returning back to his wedding to this Philistine girl, and on his way back, he turns off the path to the vineyard. He goes back to probably where he shouldn't be, a vineyard, to look at the carcass of the lion that he had killed before. And there is now honey in the carcass. He is not supposed to be touching anything dead. That's part of the rules of the Nazarite vow and again uh, here he goes so but honey is sweet right and it's delicious and it's nourishing and he's probably hungry and again he doesn't tell his parents he eats the honey and then gives some to his parents not telling them where he got it from no one knows about the lion or the honey at this point that's pretty important we like to hide especially if it could get us in trouble. His parents know he has a Nazarite vow from birth to his whole life's dedicated to the Lord. An angel of the Lord made the instructions crystal clear. So it's probably why he's not telling them. He probably doesn't want to get in trouble. He doesn't disclose for whatever reasons, and he can use this for himself. First, he eats the honey as a consumer, and then he gets very greedy with selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is focused on you and your wants and your desires. It centers on what you can get from a person, place, thing, or situation. Selfish ambition thinks of your needs, wants, and desires above others and God. What does the Bible say about selfish ambition? It talks about it in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. And also Galatians 5, 16 through 17 reminds us that our fleshly desires are at war with the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want who is he dedicated to god samson is getting sidetracked by his sin nature samson's dad makes arrangements for the wedding and samson throws a party which was custom for the day 30 men are invited to this and from the town that are coming and they're probably philistines So there's 30 men that were invited. Samson doesn't know them. He tells them this riddle about the dead carcass and the honey, knowing they're never going to figure it out. It's so unusual, but he can prove it. He's been there twice before to see it for himself. So if he needs to prove it, he can show them exactly what his riddle was. And he doesn't even tell his parents, so his secret's pretty safe. Samson gives them the riddle that is rigged from the beginning for his personal gain. He doesn't have the fear of the Lord. He probably is bragging about his strength. He was near a dead animal, even putting his hand in it to take the honey out. He makes a bet that will benefit him and his wants. He will give them you will give me thirty plain robes and thirty fancy robes if you can't solve it. They agree to the bet. He would have to give them 30 plain robes and 30 fancy robes. There's 30 of them and one of him. Three days into the celebration, they obviously still can't figure out his riddle. And they're starting to get angry. Anger doesn't go away by itself. They are going to lose a lot from this bet. On the fourth day of the seven days of celebrating, they go to Samson's fiancee and threaten her life and her father's home. Nice house guest, right? Nice wedding guest. Get the answer to his riddle or we'll burn your house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? This is the stories in Judges 14, 11 through 20. Samson started all of this. He lost sight of his wedding the girl he wanted to marry, and spoiler, they threatened to burn her house down, and that's exactly what happens to her. She cries, she nags him so much, on the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh day, he finally tells her. Rick Warren once said, persistence defeats resistance. She gets the answer out of him, and what does she do? She tells the men the answer to the riddle, and they win the bet. Does this sound familiar? Delilah does this to him later, and he still didn't learn. He let persistent nagging give up his secrets twice. He is so angry that he didn't have enough self-control to keep the secret, and that he caused himself to lose at his own game. Then the Spirit of the Lord took control of him, Judges 14, 19. That refers to his unusual strength that was given to him. God does the heavy lifting, even with Samson. God did the heavy lifting. The Spirit of the Lord took control of him. And it reminded me of Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Each time Samson faced something that needed strength, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him every time. He goes into town. Unfortunately, he kills 30 men and steals their belongings to give to the guys to pay at his wedding because he lost the bet. So we go from celebration to tears to murder, all because of Samson's selfish desire to benefit himself. There are always consequences built in, always consequences, I love this phrase. I've heard it all my life, and it's just so clear. I is always in the middle of sin. S-I-N. I I is always in the middle of sin. His new bride was also looking out for herself. She didn't want to be killed, understandably, understandably. Be careful who you invite to your wedding and to your life, the guests you take to the wedding, ah, and the bets you're making because he clearly affected a whole lot of people with his choice. Samson was supposed to help others with his gifts, not just himself. We are here to help others with our gifts and talents, not just ourselves. How is he helping to rescue Israel at this moment? He's clearly not. He's totally not. If it brings glory to us, we are not interpreting it right. If it brings glory to us. Just because we have a gifting in one area does not mean we have arrived in all areas. Samson had power and physical strength, but he clearly lacked character. John Maxwell said, talent is a gift, but character is a choice. Spend more time developing your character than your image. Great strength in one area of life does not make up for great weaknesses in other areas. In fact, sometimes our strengths can blind us from areas we really do need to work on. It gets worse. He is so mad, he returns home with his parents, which was customary at that time. Sometime later, during the wheat harvest, the wheat harvest, that's important, Samson comes to visit his wife, and the dad answers the door. I thought you hated her is how he responds. He probably thought that because his wife did, after all, tell the men the answer to Samson's riddle and made him lose. And then Samson went out and killed 30 Philistines in town to take their stuff. Hint, you probably don't want your daughter marrying him anyway. Quite a circus, right? He tells him, I gave her in marriage to your best man, but here is her sister. Marry her instead, Judges 1420, Samson's wife was given to the best man at the wedding. That is rough. Even more was taken from Samson than his losing wager. Sin always costs us more than we're expecting to pay. It always costs us more than we're expecting to pay. Revenge hits Samson's heart several times. He is angry again. Each act of retaliation brings another. Revenge is an uncontrollable monster. When you act out with anger, you give your power away. When you act out with anger, you're giving your power away. Judges 15, four through 20, I have to read this section because it gets crazy. Samson goes nuts, his wife was given away this is not good then he went out and caught 300 foxes he tied their tails together in pairs and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails then he lit the torches and lit let the foxes run through the fields of the philistines he burned all their grain to the ground including the grain still in piles And all that had been bundled, he also destroyed their grapevines and olive trees. Who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply. Because his father-in-law from Timnag gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Verse 7, because you did this, Samson vowed, I will take my revenge on you, and I won't stop until I'm satisfied. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etam. Verse 9, the Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and raiding the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, "'Why have you attacked us?' The Philistines replied, "'We've come to capture Samson. "'We have come to pay him back for what he did to us.' So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Etom. They said to Samson, "'Don't you realize, realize the Philistines rule over us? "'What are you doing to us?' But Samson replied, I only paid them back for what they did to me. But the men of Judah told him, We have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, but promise that you won't kill me yourselves. Verse 13. "'We will tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines,' they replied. "'We won't kill you.' So they tied him up with two new ropes and led him away from the rock. As Samson arrived in Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord powerfully took control of Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrist.' Then he picked up a donkey's jawbone that was lying on the ground and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. And listen to this. Samson says, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've made heaps on heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed 1,000 men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Now, Samson, verse 18, now Samson was very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagan people? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out, and it is still in Lehi to this day. Samson was Israel's judge for 20 years while the Philistines ruled the land. He is emotionally and physically exhausted. He went from victory to desperation. He says, I've killed a thousand men, he's won, and he killed a thousand pride in himself god hates pride it was god's strength clearly then his vulnerability and last week we talked about how we have needs right that's it was like this is this is cool samson makes mistakes and i see clearly he has a few needs he's thirsty. he has vulnerability he has a huge need he thinks he's going to die of thirst and he quickly changes to, you have accomplished this great victory. From I, 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 I did it, I did it, I did it, too. You, you did it, you did it. God answered his prayers for water. Samson went from hiding in a rock, 3,000 men coming to get him. He is causing their towns to be revenged on by the Philistines to a great victory, to humility to becoming judge over Israel for 20 years. Thus, his story is in Judges. Samson ruled over Israel as a judge for 20 years. In this way, he was like the nation Israel. As long as the Israelites remained set apart for God, the nation thrived. But they fell into terrible sin when they ignored God. Relationships affect faith. Relationships affect faith. I am in so many details in my children's life because I know relationships affect faith. God's presence does not overwhelm a person's will. With the Lord, you are a majority. His life was supposed to be dedicated to service to God, but Samson served himself and his desires. Although Samson often used poor judgment and sin terribly, he accomplished much when he was determined to be set apart for God. God can use a person of faith in spite of his or her mistakes. God still hears us and answers our prayers even after our mistakes. God still was going to use him for his purposes. Just like the dead lion, there was honey. God can still make all things new, repurposed and useful and nourishing, even in the most unlikely places. Some things might look dead in your heart, in your hope, something in your life. Let God make something new, truly beauty from ashes. Samson kept confiding in the wrong people. You can't trust everyone has your best interest at heart. Relationships affect faith. And sometimes you'll be asked to do things alone. To summarize the end, Judges 16, Samson is the judge, and he's still making mistakes. Is anyone shocked? Is anyone shocked? Samson goes to Gaza. Can we put the um, map on? Thank you so much. So Samson goes to Gaza, which is in the southern area, and he sleeps with the prostitute. Not a great choice, Samson. Again, not a great choice. He is in the Philistines' neighborhood. They know he's in town. They want to kill him. He sneaks out in the middle of the night. Listen to what he, does, what he does in Judges 16, verse 3. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the city gates with its two posts, and lifted them, bar and all, right out of the ground. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. I did the measurements on that map scale, 55 miles, and he took from Gaza all the way to Hebron, by foot, holding the gates of their city, and he takes it and walks it 55 miles away. Still making bad choices, still disrupting them. They hate him. So we all know the story of Delilah, and if not, it's in um, Judges 16. But... She's in this town in the north. She's in the valley of Sorek, okay? The warrior becomes a slave. The warrior becomes a slave. Delilah wanted personal gain. The Philistines bribed her with silver, just like Judas. She deceived Samson four times. He must think he can do this on his own by now, right? He lies about what gives him strength. Then he finally gives in. Persistence defeats resistance again. We all know, we should know if you don't, they cut his hair. He tells her the secret. My strength is that I can't cut my hair. Finally, she knows what's the secret. They cut his hair when he sleeps and he's captured. He fell into this again. He didn't learn from his mistake the first time. They take him back to Gaza. But this time he's weak. So if she lives in like the Valley of Sorek, they go down to Gaza. This time he's weak and blind. They gouged his eyes out. Quite different from lifting the city gates and carrying them 55 miles away, right? What an adjustment. Number one, no sight is a huge adjustment. No long hair, that heaviness. His hair is cut for the first time in his life. No strength. Betrayed again by the company he chose, not having self-control. Dr. Caroline Leaf says this, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Samson was so easily influenced, he lacked character. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. They could have killed him. They wanted to kill him before but they also wanted to humiliate him. Plus, God was still going to use him for his purpose. He will rescue Israel from the Philistines, was the promise. Judges 16.21, he was chained and grinding grain in prison. He had long-suffering consequences, loneliness, humility. How is he going to save Israel? it doesn't look promising he's chained and in prison and blind but before long his hair begins to grow back judges 1622 god's promises are still alive there is still growth He could have returned his people to the worship of God. He could have wiped out the Philistines a long time ago. In his final act, Samson began to rescue Israel from the Philistines. In his final act, don't lose hope. It's never too late to start over. It's never too late. God turned his defeat to victory. Your mistakes don't disqualify you. Don't give up on people. From our standards, we would have completely disqualified Samson time after time and again, right? Don't give up on people. Your mistakes don't don't disqualify you. Samson's final victory. The Philistines are worshiping their god Dagon, celebrating their victory over Samson. They are drunk. And remember, Samson can't drink wine, and he's a prisoner anyway. All their leaders are there. 3,000 people are making fun of Samson. Remember, he's enemy number one to them. He has made so much destruction. His strength they're jealous of. He's a powerful warrior, and now he's their prisoner. So they are having a great time laughing at him, humiliating him. I'm going to read 1 Samuel 5, 1 through 4, because... The Philistines thought at the time that more gods were better, the more the merrier. The more the merrier. They took the Ark of God into Dagon's temple, and listen to what happens to them. This is in 1 Samuel 5, 1 through 4. After the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they took it from the battleground of Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the Ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside the idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashton went to see it in the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the Ark of the Lord. So they set up their idol again, just thinking, that's odd. Why is our idol, why is Dagon face down? So what a visual, right? They put the Ark of God in the temple of Dagon, a false god, and their god is face down. So they set their idol up again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. The idol had fallen face down before the Ark of the Lord again. This time, his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. What a cool story. First, their, their god is knocked down. The second day, it's broken in pieces, annihilated. Just being by the ark of God. Worship the living, one true God. No idols. No idols come before God. There's not even no equal to God. I love that story. That was in 1 Samuel 5, 1 through 4. What a cool story. So they are worshiping Dagon, and they're at their temple, and they bring Samuel out, and he's a prisoner. They're laughing at him. Samson's brought out, humbled, blind, without strength. And what does he do? He calls upon the Lord. Samson still prayed. Judges 16, 28 through 30. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Strengthen me one more time. Strengthen me one more time. Not, let me do it, I got it, I got it. Strengthen me one more time. God answered, no thanks. I'm going to find someone else you weren't all i thought you would be here i send an angel to your parents i ascend him i took your parents offering no thanks you just couldn't get it right samson we tried but you just kept serving yourself nope it doesn't say that he answered samson one more time he said strengthen me one more time i'm sure he felt like a failure he had had some good victories all were killed Over 3,000 of the Philistines, his greatest act was his final act. By pushing the pillars over, he's still chained. And he said, can you put me over by the pillars? And he said, God, strengthen me one more time. Samson dies with the Philistines. Their temple is destroyed. One versus 3,000 of them. What a life story to learn from. I'm going to close with this quote that I hope will be life-changing, because it was for me. Number one, his story is amazing. It's so entertaining. You're in shock that this is in the Bible. It's, it's very great. It's action-packed. But what Lisa Turker says just so sums it up. Lisa Turker says, Our imperfections will never override God's promises. Our imperfections will never override God's promises because God's promises are not dependent on our ability to always choose well, but rather on his ability to use well. God's promises are not dependent on our ability to always choose well. Have you made bad choices? Yeah, but rather his ability to use well. Use us, Lord, today. Use us, God. All right, let's pray. Thank you for mercy, Lord Jesus. Thank you for never giving up on us, for keeping your promises. Use us, God. Let us say yes more. Let us live in faith. Samson's story has so many lessons for us to learn and grow from. The battle belongs to you, Lord. You keep your promises. You are always victorious. You turn situations for our good and your glory. God, let us be busy doing your work. Let us put away our selfish ambition, things that just glorify us, things that we can only think about ourselves. Thank you for this day and for the book of Judges. We are nothing without you, Lord. You meet us right where we are. You listen to our prayers. Thank you for Samson's life. Change in us what needs to be changed by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.